Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Maddie Watts, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance, my personal independent life and disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Ravitz later in the episode. So let's get into it. Today is round number three of Maddie's game. Maddie will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. She has 15 minutes to complete the full case. She does not know what the case is ahead of time. If Maddie hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, she wins. And if she doesn't, or if she performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They're not real patients. Maddie, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you are ready. I'm ready. All right. We'll talk more about how residency's going once we're done here, but I'm getting ready to kick your butt. Let's see. <laughs> <clears throat> Dr. Watts, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? Nope. Then let's begin. You are working at Clerkship General Hospital when you hear a trauma alert called overhead, summoning you and the one other nurse in the hospital to bedside for a patient being brought in by EMS after a car accident. All right, let's head in the room. Is the patient here yet? Um, yeah, the patient is uh, here with EMS. All right, EMS, can you give report? Um, sure. Yeah. So we have a 30-year-old female here. Her name is Alima Woodberg. Uh, she was in a motor vehicle accident uh, just prior to arrival. And uh, here she is. All right. Um, let's go ahead and get her moved over to the main table here. And we'll get started with our primary and secondary survey. Um, nurse, I'd like you to go ahead and work on getting access. Unless, Medic, you already have some access. Um, yeah, we were able to establish access. Okay, great. Uh, what access do you have? Uh, 16 gauge in the left AC. All right. Awesome. Well, in that case, nurse, if you can just work on getting the patient on the monitor. Um, hi, can you hear me? I'm Dr. Watts. Um, what's your name? Um, hello, Dr. Watts. My name is Alima. All right. Airways intact. Alima, I'm going to be just doing a broad assessment of you and then I'll come back and kind of get some more history from you. Um, so airways intact. Um, do I see symmetric chest rise? Um, yes. Okay. Um, I listen with my stethoscope. Do I hear breath sounds on both sides? Yes. Okay. Um, I feel for a carotid pulse. Do I feel a good pulse? Yes. Okay. Um, and then, um, is, are her eyes open? Yes. Okay. Um, does she seem to be moving all four extremities spontaneously? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then is she following commands? If I ask her to raise her arm, will she raise her arm? Yes. Okay. So GCS 15. So that's our primary survey. Um, secondary survey. Before I start, I just kind of want to hear what was the mechanism of the car accident? Yeah. Uh, so she, another driver had called. She had basically, they saw her like drive off the road into a ditch and she hit a tree pretty hard. Um, she, we had to, it took about 10 minutes for us to get her out. Airbags went off. Uh, she was restrained. Okay. Um, any obvious injuries that she's reporting? Um, yeah, she's complaining of some pain in the left ankle. Okay. Left ankle pain. Are you hurting anywhere else, ma'am? Uh, my ankle. Ah, oh my God. Okay. 
Um, all right. Well, I want to check you out head to toe and then we'll get, um, we'll start addressing this ankle. Okay. Um, can we get an opening set of vitals as well? Sure. Her temperature is 98. Her heart rate is 105. Her respiratory rate is 10. Her blood pressure is 105 over 65. Her O2 saturation is 92%. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So looking at her head, do I see any obvious um, lacerations or hematoma? Um, she has an abrasion to the front of her head. Okay. Is it actively bleeding? No. Okay. Um it sounds like her eyes are open. When I check her pupils, what size are they and are they reactive? Uh, two millimeters reactive bilaterally. Okay. Um, okay. Any obvious um, orbit trauma? No. Do her facial bones feel intact? Yes. Okay. When I open her mouth, does she have any blood in the oropharynx or any teeth that are knocked out of place? No. Okay. Um... When I press on her chest, does she have any chest wall tenderness? No. Okay. And I heard breast sounds on both sides. Were they clear? They were clear. Okay. Um, cardiac sounds, is She. it sounds like she was a little bit tachycardic. Do I hear any murmur? Um, no murmur. Okay. Um, regular rate? Yes. Okay. Um. Looking at her abdomen, does she have any, like, bruising or abrasions? No. Seatbelt sign? No. And any bruising or abrasions to the chest wall? No. Okay. When I palpate her abdomen, is it soft, non-tender? Yes. Okay. Um, when I press on her pelvis, um, is it stable to um, anterior-posterior compression? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And then um, I kind of take her right and left arm and try to range them. Does she have any pain with range of motion? Uh, no. Nope. Okay. Any abrasion or deformity to her upper extremities? No. Okay. Um, which ankle is hurting? Left. Okay. So I'll start with the right leg. Can I range her right leg completely without any pain? Yes. Any obvious deformity? No. Okay. And then her left leg, any um, deformity to the knee or femur area? No. Okay. What does her ankle look like? Um, it's severely swollen. She's guarding it. It's tender. There's a laceration on the side of it. Uh, very painful looking. <laughs> okay. And it's swollen, but does it look like her foot is completely out of joint compared to her tibia and fibia? Uh, no, just super swollen. Okay. Um, do I feel good pedal pulses on both sides? Yep. Okay. And uh, posterior tibial as well? Yeah, normal. Okay. Um, and she's got good cap refill in that toe. It doesn't seem like it's ischemic. Correct. Okay. Um, is she able to bend her knee completely and bend at the hip completely without pain? Yes. Okay. Um, has EMS given her anything yet for pain? Um, yeah, we gave her 50 mics of fentanyl. There's one other thing. Um, we found a pill bottle in her car. Okay. Yeah. I was a little concerned with, with her small pupils and her low respirations. Um, what did you have a label on the pill bottle? Yeah. Methadone. Okay. Um, okay. And she's still, what's her respiratory rate now? 10. Okay. Um, 
All right. If she's protecting her airway, um, we'll just keep an eye on it, but we may need to give her um, some naloxone. So let's go ahead and um, actually let's give 0.1 intranasal of naloxone. All right. You give it and she goes, oh my God, my ankle hurts way worse. Okay. Um, and we have IV access. Let's, um, does she have any medical problems first of all? Um, yeah, she has a history of hepatitis C, depression, and opiate use disorder. Okay. Any kidney problems? Nope. Okay. Um, any heart failure? No. Okay. Um, all right. We could, um, give her some Toradol. Um, we could do 30 milligrams for now, um, to help with her pain. Um, so we'll start with that if the nurse can draw that up and give it. Um, and then looking back at her ankle, so it's... Sounds like it's very obviously swollen. Any open component that's bleeding? Um, it's swollen. There's a laceration to the left side of it. Patient goes, doctor, doctor, I'm allergic to Toradol. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying. I should have asked your allergies before we did that. Um, what are her respirations now? Uh, 16. Okay. Um, we can do another 50 mics of fentanyl but let's just keep her on the monitor and make sure we're watching her respiratory rate i want to keep her pain under control but i don't want to overdose her um okay and um before we just focus on the ankle um i do want to roll her and check for any um c t and l spine tenderness um is she complaining of any back pain or neck pain um, she has tenderness of the cervical spine without step-offs, no tenderness of the thoracic or lumbar spine. Okay. Let's go ahead and put her in a C-collar for now um, before we get, until we get some C-spine imaging. All right. C-collar applied. Okay. Um, all right. How's her pain now that we gave a little bit more fentanyl? Uh, it's controlled. Okay. Um, so... I would like to get a CT C-spine, given that she's got some C-spine tenderness. I also would like to get some films of both her left ankle and left knee, given that she's got an obvious deformity. Um, if we have an ultrasound in the room, I'd also like to go ahead and do a fast. She's not complaining of any abdominal tenderness, but um, an E-fast would be helpful just to make sure that I don't see any blood in her abdomen. Fast is negative. Uh, ankle x-ray is crossing. Sorry, I didn't have a knee x-ray prepared. It's normal. Okay. Okay, so the x-ray just came through. It looks like she has a... She has fractures of both her fibula and tibia um, at the... Looks like medial and lateral malleolus. Um, and it also looks like a dislocation... My ortho skills are not phenomenal, but that does not look normal. So um, I definitely want to consult my orthopedic trauma team. Um, in the meantime, just want to make sure that I check her pulses again, make sure her compartments are soft um, and her left calf. Um, so <laughs> this is clerkship general. We are ortho, you and your, uh, one nurse, just FYI. So they're not available and, um, pulses and everything are still good. Okay. Um, and then let's get another set of vital signs as well. 
Um, sure. Uh, temperature 98, heart rate 95, respiratory rate 12, blood pressure 105 over 65, O2 saturation 92%. Um, and the CT of your C-spine is normal. Okay. Um, I also, given that her stats are still a little bit low, I'd like to get a, a portable chest x-ray. And then after that, we'll probably need to call the nearest hospital with orthopedics on board for transfer because I bet this is going to need uh, surgery. Okay, I just got the chest x-ray. Let me take a look at that. I see lung markings going all the way out on both sides, so I don't think she has a pneumothorax. Um, she, I don't see any obvious rib or clavicle fractures. Um, She's got a pretty sharp diaphragm on the right. The left is a little bit hazier. Um, so it could be like a layered out effusion or hemothorax, but it may just be that it's a little bit of a hazier film throughout. Her cardiac silhouette looks normal. Um, okay. Since the left side looks a little fuzzy, can I take my ultrasound probe and see if she has a, an effusion or hemothorax on the left. That's uh, normal. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I'm still, I guess her stats are a little low cause she was breathing, um, at a lower rate, but, um, I might put her just on a liter of oxygen to bring that up. Um, and then can I go ahead and call the nearest tertiary care center to see if they'll accept transfer? Um, yeah, so you page out to them, and the nurse says, uh, hey, doc, patient's not responding. Oh, gosh. All right, so I am looking at our EKG strip, and this is not looking good. I see a wide complex tachycardia polymorphic. Um, so I'm worried about torsades. So can we give some mag and then... Um, Actually, well, no, we need to shock her first. So can we get the pads on? Um, and then we'll need to do defibrillation. Pads on, uh, defibrillation. Uh, you have a okay. pulse. Okay. Um, can we get a repeat rhythm strip? Um, sure. Nurse is going to grab a whole 12 lead here. All right, so I'm looking at her 12 lead. Um, looks like she's got a rate of about 60. I see P waves and a narrow QRS. I think this is a sinus rhythm, but definitely looks like a long QT, even just eyeballing it. So that would explain why she went into torsades. Um, Okay, so we um, let's go ahead and give some mag, but then I probably should ask her more about her medication history. Um, Ma'am, what meds are you taking? Is she awake and talking yet? Um, she's like, ooh, that was that was something. I yeah. saw the light. Um, I take um, citalopram, forty milligrams Q day for my depression, and I take methadone, hundred milligrams a day for my history of opiate use disorder that I'm in recovery from. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, okay, well, um, we need to keep giving mag and watch 
um, her QT, let's do another EKG in like 20 minutes. Let's give her two grams of mag. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and then can we get a repeat set of vitals? <clears throat> sure. Her temperature is 98. Her heart rate is 99. Her respiratory rate is 16. Her blood pressure is 120 over 80. Her O2 saturation is 99%. Okay. Um, and how's her pain? Hey, I got the, I got the transfer center on the line. I didn't know if there's anything else you wanted me to do before you talk to them. Um, no, I think I'm okay. Um, I will talk to them now. Hey, this is a major trauma center. Hey, so I have a 30 year, 30 year old female here who, um, drove off the highway and hit a tree and had 10 minute extrication. She came in, was GCS 15, protecting her airway, had, um, some two millimeter pupils and respiratory rate of 10. Um, turns out with some further history, she has opioid use disorder on methadone and was given some fentanyl in root as well. Um, we gave her a little bit, we reversed her and then gave her a little bit more because she's allergic to Toradol and, um, wanted to keep her pain controlled. And she ended up, um, with her other medications, having some QT prolongation, went into polymorphic VTAC. We defibrillated her and got her back. She's now in sinus rhythm. Um, her only injury is that she has a tib-fib fracture and ankle dislocation on the left. Um, she's got intact pulses and no signs of compartment syndrome, but I do think she will need surgery and we don't have orthopedics here. So I wanted to transfer her for that. But then additionally, um, with her now torsades, um, she's going to need medical management as well. Um, our repeat EKG showed her in sinus rhythm and we're giving mag, but we will continue to monitor and make sure she's stable prior to transfer. Any other medicines other than the mag? Um, that we've given, um, we've given <laughs> that and the fentanyl and we gave some naloxone initially and that's all we've given so far. All right. Sounds good. We'll see her. And that ends your case. Victory at last. Uh, Me and Mike, we, we're like, we need to get a revenge case. We need to. Uh... <laughs> I, I was so proud of myself with my primary and secondary survey. And then I did only like half of my sample, ample history, whatever you call it. I did not do a very good history. All right. We'll get it. We'll get into the whole case. Obviously, completely brutal, intended to be so. Um, but before we go through that, let's talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. One of the biggest financial tasks that you need to complete during residency is to purchase your personal disability insurance policy before you aren't attending. And to be honest, the whole process does take a few months. So with everything that you have on your to-do list, this financial task tends to be put off until your final year of residency in the last few months, and then kind of crunching it in before you become an attending. And don't get me wrong, at least you are purchasing this before you become an attending, so you won't lose out on the residency discount. But there are several reasons why you need to get on this now. The biggest one is that the policy is cheapest and has fewest exclusions the younger and healthier you are. The concern you should have is not that you get disabled while in residency, which does happen, but the more common issue is that you end up hurting your back or injuring your arm. You see a doctor or counselor or something for anxiety or depression, something that's seemingly minor, and then the insurance company freaks out and they write 
exclusions into your policy, making it very much like significantly weaker in the future. And you don't want to wait until it's too late and you don't want to wait until you have exclusions and stuff on your policy. Um, the insurance company will kind of pull those and exclude things and you just don't want to go there. Go to www.pearsonravits.com, get in touch and get your questions answered. Now back to our case again, Maddie, this was intended to be brutal. Um, I, I taunted you like a week ago. I said, Oh, I got a hell of a case. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, for the listeners out there, Zach texted me. What was it? Uh, beware. I don't remember why you texted me, but it, it scared me just a little bit. It came to me in a dream. Brace yourself. That was what it was. was. was Brace yourself. I think I had a I had a good case come in a dream or something along (laughs) those lines, Um, and it was oh so creative and evil. Um, How do you think you did? What did you do well? What what could you have done better? Um, Well, I haven't done my trauma month yet, but my roommate who is an orthopedic intern is on her trauma month, and we were talking about how nerve wracking it is when you first have to do the primary and secondary survey in front of all of the EM docs and surgeons and everybody. So I actually feel like I did a pretty thorough primary and secondary survey. So I'm proud of myself for that. I think after that, I was expecting there to be more. Like I knew you were going to do something cruel. So I was expecting more trauma-wise. And then I wasn't thinking about medical stuff. Um, And I'll admit I kind of dismissed, oh, she has opioid use disorder and hepatitis C, but she doesn't have a bunch of other comorbidities. So I was kind of like forgetting the medical stuff. And sure enough, <laughs> there was medical stuff to be had. <laughs> yeah. So I would agree with you on that. So you, you killed the primary and secondary survey. Um, it sounded like you had done your trauma rotation and you haven't, and you're ready to rumble there. So that was very, very good. It was, I think, Perfect. I'm sure Mike will critique something and be like, oh, you miss up. But as far as I'm concerned, that was pretty, pretty damn good. Um, You got the collar on, you checked the airway, you did the whole primary and secondary and ultrasound and all of that. Uh, You didn't forget to roll the patient. See, in the real world, like everyone always remembers to roll the patient, but on the test, it's harder when you're just kind of verbalizing it to remember I have to roll the patient and feel down the back too. Um, So you did good with all of that. And um, I think the spot where things kind of spiraled, so there's a couple things. The the spot where things uh, got out of control a little bit was kind of that like sample history. Um, I don't recall you, I don't think you asked about allergies. I didn't know. Um, but even the allergy list was meant to kind of point you towards, oh, she's just a, you know, a drug person. Um, it was kind of meant to throw you off or get her to blow her off. Like it was all in, in the whole methadone prolonged QT thing. That's a classic. Like I'm pretty sure one of my attendings gave me that one in residency. Like you, that that is a classic kind of residency case, the methadone prolonged QT um, thing. Whatever setting, you know, whatever setting it's in. Um, the... There wasn't anything else really as far as the history other than the allergies, um, which would have been a dangerous action not to check, and the um, the methadone and the citalopram also prolongs QT too. Yeah. Um, so th- both those together was kind of a, a bad combo. But she didn't overdose or anything. She would have been a person, you know, with well-controlled opiate use disorder just on her typical methadone, which typically you would see in someone who's being like sent home with a prescription for methadone. That's someone who's pretty stable on methadone. Cause usually initially you have to show up every day and you're doing drug tests and things like that. So to just mm-hmm. be sent home with a bottle of it, that person um, has been on that for a while and stable. So that would be the main spot. Um, I would, so I'd be careful on, on 
trauma. You do your primary and secondary survey, but don't forget about medical history and like the yeah. allergies and stuff. And then the other thing where you kind of, and I actually see, I see this from trauma. We just do airway at where I'm at basically as emergency medicine people at our main trauma center. And then we have trauma surgeons and stuff doing the rest. And the thing that I see them miss and the residents on their team and stuff miss is that the reason for the accidents, you'll get some crazy fall and an old person and they fall down a flight of stairs or something. They come in and they're all banged up, Mm -hmm. but they don't like dive into why did this person fall? Um, The car accident would be a classic of, you know, it's a single vehicle motor vehicle accident. Why did this car just drive off the road? Right. Like that's not a normal thing. You know, did they fall asleep? Like what is going on? Like why did that happen? And so you will see that a little bit is kind of getting to the why behind the trauma that does um, get missed in the real world. Uh, So like classic examples would be the the car accident or whatever where they had syncope or a seizure. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like falls and geriatric people like they had a stroke or something, you know, or low blood sugar or whatever. And it causes them to get weak and fall, um, which is a classic thing with like geriatric fall cases is why did they fall? I don't really care as much about they hit their arm with the skin tear. Yeah. We'll scan your head. You're on a blood thinner and, you know, your arm's probably fine. We'll bandage it up. But like, why did you fall all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. So um, pay attention to that, too. The only other things um, did you catch once? Like you identified the torsades well, you identified the prolonged QT. Once I once you kind of went that way, you immediately went back and circled back to the medications and kind of put it together. So that was all good. You treated it fine with the magnesium. Um, the only other thing, did you catch that the patient had a laceration over the ankle? You said that, and I just kind of kept going. <laughs> so what? So what would be your concern there? I guess it's an open fracture. Then so. Um, would you want to cover with antibiotics? Yeah, I'd probably update their tetanus and do antibiotics. Um, so anyways, those were, those were like a couple other things thrown in the case. This case was meant to trip you up. Like it was, it you did. had gone two and oh. It was <laughs> it gone did. two and oh. You're whipping out things like diclegis, which is a medicine. Like, I'm like, what is going on? Are you like an attending? So we, we had to, we had to make it tricksy. We had to make it tricksy on purpose. Um, but I don't know. There's a lot of good learning points and stuff. You did great. Like, again, you nailed the primary and secondary survey from a trauma perspective. You nailed the treatment of torsades once you kind of got, got there. What are some other things you can do to treat um, torsades? Let's say it's persistent. Like, maybe they're going in and out of it type of a thing. You shocked them. You did the magnesium. But if they keep going into it, what are some other things you can try? Um, well, I know with torsades, sometimes it's because they're bradycardic. And so you can, like, overdrive pace. But she wasn't bradycardic. Perfect. Yep. No, that's exactly that's exactly the, what I was kind of getting at. And I agree with you. She wasn't prayed to Kardec. Um, I think I did a case with Mike on that. Wasn't it like a vagal and diving into the water, like a torsades diving injury or something? Um, yeah, I can't. You gotta I've... love the trauma. You gotta love the trauma medical combos. They're just yeah. they're just great cases to trip up on. Um, but so you can do isoproteranol. This won't be what our deep dive is on. You can do like isoproteranol, which is like a chemical makes the heart rate go faster. Or you can do like transvenous pacing where you just like using electricity, turn them up to a faster rate with the idea is you're avoiding bradycardia and you're decreasing the chance that they go into torsades. Um, and that's, that's all I got. I don't know if you have any other final thoughts on the case. Oh, you, I, I, I agree so. with you. You crushed the primary and secondary survey. I think that was, I'm pretty sure that was perfect. Oh, well, thanks. I, I did like a, um, 
trauma alert, which is our lowest level of trauma. Um, I did a practice one with one of my attendings when I was in the department and I was struggling. So I went home and I practiced it. So I'm glad to see the practice paid off. Yeah. No, uh, again, you did the trauma piece of it well. It was just getting tripped up on why the trauma happened and the medical component of it. And that's, again, that's something you see when you're, you know, it's just something you see in the real world. No, I'll stop there. Anyways, how's residency going? Bring us up to speed on your development and journey. (laughs) It's been going good. I am uh, about to finish my pediatric EM month, which has been really fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. I um, got to do a few LPs, um, on very, very small babies, which was fun and a good learning experience. And finally feel like I got that. I finally feel like I can see tympanic membranes, which took the entire four weeks to feel good about that. So, um, yeah, it's been good. That's perfect. That's, uh, I think those would be like the big things you'd want to take away from like a pediatric EM. Definitely the LPs, not that you have to do a ton, just like in the real, you know, um, just like a regular department. You know, if you're working out in the community somewhere, you're not going to have a ton. But they do happen, and you need to be able to do it. And then, um, yeah, I agree. Seeing the seeing the TM is it's harder than the LP. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so um, good job. And again, great job on the case. And uh, our mid-month, our deep dive, we are going to do some stuff on black box warnings and how it applies to emergency medicine. So I don't think it's something that gets talked about much, so I'm looking forward to that. But until then, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.